Hi, I'm Olivia, a final year theology and creative writing student at Bath Spa University, and you're listening to The Fuse. So hi, and today I'm joined by one of my good friends, Ed. Um, so Ed, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Ed. I'm a politics and sociology student at the University of Bristol, and I'm in my third year now, so just um, full flow with the dissertation at the moment. <laughs> yeah, great fun. Well, what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about the effects of the UK media on public opinion and ask the question, is it really bias? Um, so, Ed, firstly, where do you source your news? Like, where, where do you read your news from? Well, I think like, like a lot of people our age, you know, money is often a factor being students. So buying newspaper subscriptions isn't really a viable option. So most of my news comes from online sources, the BBC in particular. Um, I, I do do a certain amount on Twitter, but obviously I'm aware that that's not always yeah. the most reliable source. No, it's quite interesting how you say about young people and how they're kind of reluctant. I think I don't know very many people who buy like an actual sheet newspaper. I think most people that I know are uh, subscribing to news online, but actually recent polls say that there's a declining amount of subscriptions of people paying for things online because I think people are quite reluctant to to pay when you could just go somewhere else and kind of get it for free mm. um and there's a balance there for sure because obviously good journalism does cost money and if a reluctance to pay that that's why we're very lucky to have the bbc because you get both good journalism and it's paid paid out of out of the tv license so it's um in that respect but then do you think they get like a monopoly on the news where like a lot of people are kind of subscribing to the bbc do you think it gives them more of kind of i know that they've got a broad range of journalists and stuff but do you think that they kind of have control over people's opinions in in quite a large manner because so many people are subscribing to just the BBC where they're getting their news from? Yes, I mean, obviously that that is an issue. And 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 George Orwell, who who worked at the BBC, was um, quite conscious of that. But I think, nonetheless, you need to have impartiality, and the broadcasting standards in the UK for television broadcasting are of such a standard that. They are. Uh, they do keep the BBC in check, and I think we our media situation would be a lot poorer if they were to disappear. Yeah, I think one of the issues with our media at the moment is, especially on Twitter and stuff, it becomes very personal. I think it's like less of like the politics, and it's instead of kind of just talking about, I know, say Matt Hancock's politics, like what did Matt Hancock have for tea, or what did what's he doing on a Monday evening, or just using him as an example, or. And I think that that's where it kind of is the issue with kind of using Twitter and other kind of forms of social media as um, news, because I get a lot of my news from, well, I find an Instagram, I find Instagram quite useful because often I find people are posting about stuff there before it's even kind of come up in the mainstream news. People seem to kind of, they're very quick to get on board. And I really like the page Simple Politics. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. And it's very good at like giving kind of very, neutral is concise and it's sticking to politics rather than going into like mainstream and celebrity news and yeah and I think that does appeal to a lot of young people that the the negative impact that that has had is it has made everybody want everything instantly which means that often you'll get particularly on social media unverified stories coming out before the actual you know uh, mainstream media have got reported it you'll you'll get there was a, an incident where um, uh, somebody filmed Matt Hancock. Uh, I can't quite remember what he was doing. 
I think he was, um, I think someone cycled into him or something. Um, and, and, and then it, then it sort of entered. So it started on social media and then entered mainstream media. In, in other words, social media often is what people want to hear, but not necessarily what they need to hear. If that and they kind sense. of jump on the stories that are most yes. interesting to them rather than kind of going yeah. with what actually might be the true thing. Yeah. And that and to um, the, the bigger problem with social media, of course, which is sort of what, what I referred to as echo chambers, where you, you just follow people that yeah. represent your political opinion and then you, you don't That's in, in territory. Kind of all kind of news is that if you're kind of subscribing to a certain kind of genre, a certain side of the political debate and only getting your news from like right-wing sources or left-wing sources, I think it's very important to cross-check whether you're a right or left-wing voter or what your opinions may lie. I think especially with social media and stuff, it's very important to get like a wide variety of opinions. So I listen to The Spectator. I really enjoy their morning coffee shops podcast. They publish them every day. Um, on Spotify and I think it's like really great to hear different people's opinions on things and they are quite good at giving uh, not a completely right-wing opinion but it is definitely I think if you were to just read the spectator to just read like um, right-wing newspaper or left-wing it's very easy to just kind of close off your mind to other opinions and that's where the issue comes with people not being yeah they're just kind of jumping on the bandwagon and kind of being quite close-minded towards issues and and that kind of thing and I think people just definitely have like there's a public appetite for certain types of news so I don't want to touch on kind of current news but the Harry and Meghan thing has been going on for so long and I think it's just because people are absorbing it and people are interested so the newspapers are just publishing more and more stuff when actually there's not really a story to tell anymore it just kind of needs to be Mm. Now. I think uh, I think the way that sort of evidence is the way in which the establishment in the UK is quite dependent on the media and vice versa you know the media need um, leaks and, and we've seen that with the coronavirus how many notifications and um, messages have been leaked particularly to the telegraph you know the day before the announcement's actually made and that sort of thing you know Boris Johnson wrote for the telegraph he wrote for the spectator yeah. and there is a um, often it's very hard to draw the line between politics and the media um in the uk i mean the uk is has got one of the least trusted media um in the world only 28 yeah. percent of adults last year said that they trust the media in the uk most of the time which is just Gosh. developed nation is so low yeah i guess it's the question as well of who controls who like because they're so interlinked, like you said, Boris Johnson's had, and they're so interlinked. It's like, who's the who's kind of rubbing who's back on this? Like, who's yeah, who's the one controlling? But I think as well, politicians are very quick to kind of accuse the news if they're not kind of reporting in the same way, especially kind of more extreme politicians. Well, Donald Trump, for example, I think kind of the whole fake news thing has caused quite like a. But I think Nigel Farage as well did it with the whole Brexit thing, didn't he? It was quite quick to kind of condemn the news and be like, fake, that's not true. Like, and I think that's where it becomes quite problematic because it's like, well, if who who do you trust? And if your politicians and your media are all kind of pointing fingers at one another, it's mm. Mm. um but no, after the whole fake news thing, I found it quite interesting because the Washington Post changed their slogan to democracy dies in darkness. 
I'm sure you knew it, but then I've never known a newspaper to have so many paywalls pop up. Every time you scroll down, you get another thing. Do you want to subscribe or, uh, or do you want to contribute to this thing? And I think that's where for me, it's, I don't know, I'm getting subscriber fatigue a little bit. It's like, I, I don't want to read those articles because I'm kind of bored of how many times they ask me to pay. Or, yeah, and it is, it is a, a real issue, but you know, as, as they say, good journalism costs money, as, as I said earlier, and, and the, the free uh, online news sources now, there's, there's The Guardian, obviously, which is still free. Yeah, um, but again, they do ask you to contribute quite they regularly. They do, yeah. Um, and then on the right, you've got The Daily Mail, The Express, the, the tabloid online websites um, are, are largely free. And um, I think, I think, obviously, it needs to be realised that that with those comes a certain level of uh, journalism, and and you know the a lot of the bile and sort of hatred on the Daily Mail comment section online is is just yeah. really you know the the worst of <laughs> society comes out there. So uh, yeah, I think I think there is something to be said for that i i recently started subscribing to the economist actually um yeah. but again that it's not cheap but it's it cheap. I, I quite like it because it it gives you and we might talk about this but the it takes you sort of around the world in terms of what's going on in each country and each continent whereas a lot of in other words it it's quite proportionate in what it represents what it talks about whereas you pick up a copy of a tabloid and you can guarantee there'll be a 30 page special on Harry and Meghan and nothing about the conflict in Syria and, and no. the famine out there. And actually one thing I did want to mention on is kind of just how kind of um, different news reporters and different news platforms go about kind of reporting on international news because I think there's quite a lot of like them and us going on if you know especially I noticed with like the migrant crisis in the news beginning of last year there were like it just kind of shocked me so much how well in America they were like flying drones over and just kind of like documenting what was going but in Britain like journalists like chartering boats and like going alongside like yeah. um boats full of migrants and like kind of counting them and like just making people become like a statistic rather than actually kind of giving a story on what I think news can be very tailored to how they want you to feel so they were kind of like number number make it into numbers and um like kind of trying to make people think oh it's them and us rather than actual stories of why people were kind of moving over anyway and i think the economist is quite good at yes i mean there is there's definitely a debate to be had about statistics versus sort of human stories and i think often newspapers can play an important role in bringing those statistics to life you know in saying you know these people aren't just a number they are you know they are human beings um and i think to a certain degree you saw that with the you know when um last year when that that body of the child washed up on the beach and i think that was that's an example of that yeah the focus on some stories but i do yeah. the majority but, yeah and, and when you combine that with yes i i too saw that video of nigel farage in a dinghy yeah with, you know next to loads of migrants and i just I mean, obviously, everyone will have their different opinions, but I just, I just can't believe that that he did that. Uh, <laughs> it just seems kind of, it almost just seemed like it was set up. It kind of made it not even feel like it was like a real kind of event that was actually going on. It just seemed so kind of, I don't know, meteorized and yeah. 
But I do think the economy. How do you how do you get hold of the Economist? Do you read it or do you listen to the? Yeah, so I've I've got the the um, print version just because I don't really like um, reading a lot on my phone. So no. uh, it sort of it comes on a Saturday and that's sort of the start of you know my winding <laughs> down for the weekend. Um, I feel like this is a differentiation between first year and third year. Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I also feel it also makes me feel guilty if I haven't because it's so expensive. It makes me feel guilty if I haven't read it. So. It almost bribes me into reading about what's happening. Did you get a free subscription before? Because see, I subscribed to the Spectator because they had a very great deal. I got a twenty pound Amazon voucher, um, and I've kind of ended my subscription now because I, I can get hold of everything on my phone anyway. But I, I mean, it was brilliant. I got this gift voucher and just kind of three months of free. No, free I, I I um did get a free month. I've heard of other people who got the Spectator that have been offered a bottle of champagne. Yeah, um, well, there's some like Don Perry on all those whiskey as well that I think you can get yes. your hands But no, I, I would say suggesting to people who are kind of looking into starting working out what kind of newspapers and what kind of news they want to consume that getting free, free subscription, free trial subscriptions is quite a good idea, isn't it? Because hmm. it's quite a good way of kind of sussing out what you, what news you are interested in and how you enjoy people reporting it. But Hmm. I mean, I, I think print print media is under threat. Um, the tabloids can survive for longer because typically they're a lot cheaper, so people will, you know, be more able to afford them every day or, or every week. Um, but they're a lot more problematic, I think, in the way. And they are, but yeah, they you know they're steered by who owns them, and um, typically they seem to be business tycoons in the hands of yeah. um, conservative yeah. politicians. Glosses yeah. News. Just seems quite yeah I'm quite quite bored of it really going back to kind of paying for media and what do you think how do you think you kind of go about I'm trying to say it's good or bad to pay because I do think it kind of creates like an ex exclusion in society of for example even the BBC you need a phone to get hold of don't you and these free yes I th and I think that's a lot of the problem with the there, there's a definitely an age thing that comes into play there because older people are less likely to have those digital technologies. Um, yes, yeah. they might have a television, but I know I, I can speak for my grandparents, even they didn't. So they were solely reliant on either the radio or newspaper for their news. And that's definitely changing form. Um, the question is, where does where does the truth lie? And, and the sheer um, amount of kind of ways that we can access news now, I mean, there's Twitter, there's social media, there's newspapers coming out of our eyes, there's so many of them. I mean, you use Twitter yourself, don't you? You're... I do, yeah. But Would you mainly, the... I don't tweet. I just sort of read what's going on. Yes. <laughs> and I've tried to tried to make a conscious effort to follow people from um, a wide range of political opinion, um, just because I think even if you disagree with them, it, it's more helpful to have a well, a rounded opinion. Yeah. And it makes you, it enables you to form opinions of your of your own. Whereas if you're just sort of lapping up Fox News on a on a daily basis, then I think that becomes more difficult. Agreed. If you're only listening to news that you agree with, then I think it's when you disagree with something quite drastically. Then it's, I mean, yeah. we've got the whole kind of Piers Morgan debate going on at the moment. Again, not making it too kind of um, relevant, but it's the I mean since he's been kind of cancelled for example I mean you've got this whole thing of cancel culture as well which I guess is becoming more of kind of a politic political thing as well. I think it started off kind of just being a kind of towards celebrities and 
that kind of stuff. And now I do think it's becoming a lot more political. And I think that like politicians, once they've kind of had a couple of bad news stories, then people are very reluctant to kind of then hear what they've, it's very hard to come back from that after you've had kind of- Yes, yeah. I mean, I I think you're right. I think the, the cancel culture thing is has definitely become, if, if it, even if it didn't start off that way, it's starting to become appropriated by typically right-wingers who sort of complain about being denied a platform or, or an outlet for their thought. It is cross, it is cross spectrum that, um, yeah, uh, th there's certainly an issue of that this whole freedom of speech debate, I think is, I find it very interesting. Um, I just find it yeah. strange that often those that are complaining about it the most are those who actually are, have, have the largest voice. Yes. The loudest voice. Yeah, or won't hear. I think that there's one thing having freedom of speech, but again, you've still got to have a. I think that it's starts becoming very problematic when you're going down one angle and you're just kind of saying a lot of things about one thing and kind of not really listening to what there's that. Yeah, I think just cross checking news is very important to keep understanding other people's, not even understanding them, but keep listening to other people's opinions, even if you don't quite understand them yourself or want to. And that's what I think is becoming quite toxic about our society nowadays is that people aren't as willing to listen as they were or I think people are worried about voicing an opinion I think it becomes quite difficult to have an opinion that's different to say the majorities I think having a whether it's a very left-wing or a very right-wing opinion I think people are more reluctant to kind of speak out about it do you think I think so I think in student culture anyway I'm not sure about kind of the media mm. as a whole I think I think it's quite commercial that it probably works in your benefit and your yes I think I think that's right I think I mean I, I think in university there is certainly um just because of the nature of the institution and, and the students they attract younger people younger people tend to be more socially liberal and there is yeah. definitely a um what you might call a left-leaning bias in well university. I'll stop you there because if people want to hear more about this I'm actually doing an episode called do universities breed left-wing students? So we're going to be having that whole debate about whether there is kind of this socialist culture kind of coming up through university mm. student unions. So we won't kind of go down that path now, but no. I, I do think it's relevant, yeah, to mean maybe, yeah, what what sells, what stories sell is it? Well, yeah, so what I was gonna say is, is that I think, whilst universities might have that, the, the media in the UK certainly did, certainly do, I'm not sure if they increasingly do reward um outrage or reward uh opinion at the fringes so you know a, a centrist statement is less likely to get media attention because of our instant you know um digital age and how things trend on twitter yeah. you want to be trending and and the things that trend are the things that spark the most outrage and um uh, certainly the response to things like harry and megan are things that just ignite ferocity on both sides and whilst I don't think it's healthy that that's the stuff that that sells yeah and then I think that's when it starts to become political is because it gets such a kind of wide stream coverage that then it, it does kind of just become related to I know the police which then becomes related to kind of central government and then it, I think it all kind of ends up being this kind of debate that in the center of it is kind of politics rather than what it maybe actually started of which was just the tragedy or uh mm -hmm. yeah or just 
something yeah i think everything kind of becomes very political um but no what i'm going to do in the uh, in the uh, comments of this podcast i'm going to do a list of kind of new sources that i think speaking speaking to different people are good platforms for students to get started on if if they want to kind of get a, a foot in the in understanding where they should be accessing their news from. So like we've said, The Economist, and there's a lot of good podcasts on Spotify. And mm. what about the radio? Do you listen to the radio much? I do listen to the radio a lot, um, but not news channels. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I'm afraid it's normally music. Um, but I mean, it, obviously, if, if, if you just want to get, um, I tend to find that the with the BBC stations, you start on one, and the news there is really very short. It's about 30 seconds of news. Then you go to two and you get about uh, three minutes. And then you go to three and you get more. And then you go to four, which of course is just always news. So, and so same with five, really. So, so um, by starting first year on Radio One, then maybe by third year. You're... Yeah. And maybe, yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely, as you're older, you move up those channels. So, um, <laughs> which one are you think... on now? Sorry. Uh, well, I'm a bit. I, I started on two, and now I've gone to one. So it's okay. probably a, a, bit, a bit. I'm going the wrong way, probably. But um, no, I I am very um, uh, sort of quite politically switched on and interested in um, keeping up to date. So so yeah, as I say, Twitter and the Economist and um, the BBC are where I get most of my. Yeah, my I think it's people's duty to kind of be politically switched on. I think when you become of an age that you're able to vote, and I'm also just to plug another episode, we're doing a kind of a breakdown on uh, what the voting system in the UK actually is like and kind of just a background to voting. But I think when you're of the age where you can vote, I think it's a responsibility to have a political opinion and to immerse yourself in the news. And okay, yeah, there are these biases, but like we said, with cross-checking and kind of getting your news from a variety of different sources and making sure it's international as well as just Kind of your local news i think that was a very important point you made and kind of understanding what's going on in the greater world i think yeah is, is a responsibility at the end of the day and i, I don't don't want to end on too cynical a note but it does all come down to money and where the money is made and it's a bit of a viciously re- sort of um vicious cycle because obviously the news outlets look for the news that um individuals want to hear but the news that those individuals want to hear is the news that's been, fed, you know, that they've been fed by these papers for for often generations. So yeah. it's very difficult to break um, that cycle. And I think having a public broadcaster goes goes some way to do that. But um, yeah, it's not easy. And and the low trust ratings in in the British media are just one example of of just how how vicious that cycle is. Yeah, agreed. And I do, yeah. I will leave it there but no well thank you very much Ed it's been really interesting having a a conversation with you Um, you. and to all our listeners stay tuned I hope you enjoyed our our small debate on kind of news biases and where you should be getting your where you can be getting your news from and I'll see you in the next episode so thank you you've been listening to The Fuse if you enjoyed this episode chances are you'd like our Instagram Follow us at The Fuse Podcast, where we break down daily news into understandable bite-sized chunks. As per usual, see you next week.